Hey, welcome to Soul Soul, the podcast for K Entertainment Rambles. Today's episode is going to be kind of just me coming back, I guess. Um, I our, our last episode was like in December, and so this is our first episode for this year, actually. So I'm just gonna catch you all up on my life. I'm gonna jump into my Dreamcatcher concert experience, and finally, we'll be talking about InMix's latest mini-album and their title track, Love Me Like This. So stick around, and we'll get right into it. So, I, I mean, it's a little late, but I, I feel like I should be saying Happy New Year, <laughs> because this is the first solely soul episode for 2023 i i'm sorry i i literally like abandoned this podcast for the whole beginning well winter basically for the whole winter i just totally stepped away from this podcast but um i I just feel like i didn't have anything to talk about and i didn't really want to force myself to come up with like topics i do have some topics i want to talk about maybe in the future but I just feel like I haven't taken the energy or time to really organize my thoughts for some of these topics that I want to discuss on here. So I kind of just like left it alone for the last like three months, but I I was inspired to come back today specifically because of InMix's comeback. Um, because I'll, I'll get into it more. I'm not going to really get fully in deep into it yet, but um, InMix, I was, I was expecting something like bad or not good to be honest from InMix and everything but I was pleasantly surprised and the, the title track is a earworm but we'll get into that in like the later half I don't want to start with that but as far as me what have I where have I been um I don't really know if anybody cares but I've been I got a job um I've been, but it's not even like really a consuming job if I'm honest, like I wish it was more to the job than what it even is. Um, It's literally Amazon, I'm literally a Locker Plus like associate, Um, but the job is just so easy, it's literally part time. You only work like two to three days a week, if at all. but yeah, like I started the job at the beginning of the month, so I feel like I was kind of consumed with that at the beginning of March. Um, and like I had to do training and all that stuff, but I, that's kind of what I've been doing. But also at the beginning of the month on March 4th, I saw Dreamcatcher in New York City. This was my second time seeing them. Um, the last time I saw them was just, it hasn't even been a year ago. (laughs) It was just this past summer in New York as well. But, um, the New York show in the summer, I don't know how many of you know this, because even if you didn't go to the show, you didn't even have to be there to know that the show was, like, the group did not do anything wrong, but it was just, like, the venue was the worst, like, possible choice for some reason. Um, I think I think the venue, basically, I, th- I think Dreamcatcher's company kind of overestimated the tri-state area and, like, undercompensated and didn't realize that this many people were going to show up probably for the group. Because the last time they were over here in the tri-state area, they were actually in New Jersey, Jersey City. And I remember I wanted to go to that show so bad, but I didn't get to. But, um, but yeah, but I think their company kind of like under, or not even their company, I guess maybe it was the promoter or booker, whoever. But they undercompensated and like thought 
that like what like a hundred people were gonna show up probably but no like this venue was packed because like they had ga and i'm sure i swear i think they like oversold ga and i think there were even people who were in like because i like had a seat i was in the back where i had a seat and actually this venue was so like relaxed or carefree that i had a um seated ticket and when I came to the door for security and everything, they even asked, like, oh, do you um, do you want a wristband for the floor where, like, you know, it's kind of unfair because, like, people who are on the floor, I'm sure, I think they paid more than what people in the seats even paid because I think I paid, this was actually the cheapest K-pop show I've been to. <laughs> like, their ticket was, like, what did I pay? I think I paid, like, $60 because in comparison, a lot of other shows I've been to, I've spent well over hundreds of dollars <laughs> to be at all the other groups I've seen. So Dreamcatcher for the first New York show was very cheap, but um, but yeah, the show was good back then in the summer, but it ended up getting really hot in the place because it was like overbooked and people passed out who were in GA. And then like even at one point, the show stopped at two different occasions because like the members of the group were like really worried <laughs> about the people that were like passing out. But um, but yeah, it was a good show. But I'm so glad now that I got to see them in March now because this show was even better than that one because no one passed out. The venue had plenty of space. Everybody's view was good. Um, and I don't know, I just even feel like the group had a better energy or different energy from when I saw them in the summer because I really feel like the venue just put like a downer on the whole vibe. Because like I said, they literally had to stop the show two times at, at that point. So I think it kind of ruined their mindset going forward of the show. So it was a good show, but it wasn't the best. But now this show I just saw um, in March, this was part of their anniversary reason makes tour. I think that's the name. It was, I know it was a super long <laughs> name, but this is part of their anniversary tour. And I, I, I wish I would have recorded this actually fresh off of coming from the concert. But um, I, I, I was, I'm still kind of, I feel like, speechless with the show because, first of all, I had really good seats. Like, I sure, I wasn't, like, front row or anything like that. I wasn't even in, like, the first section or anything. But um, for out of every K-pop show I've ever been to, this is the closest I actually have ever been to the stage. Well, because this venue is kind of set up in a unique way. This is the um, Hulu Theater at, like, Hulu Theater or the, or the theater at Madison Square Garden, whatever they want to call it. But, um... It's kind of set up in this like odd like panoramic like circle way because I mean like if you're way in the back like no the view is not the best <laughs> but no I was like in the front row of the section before the, fr the fr before the floor sections basically so my seats were pretty good actually um so I feel like that alone just enhanced my experience because I was so used to always being like way up in the nosebleeds for like most other shows I've been to um but I don't even know what else to say about the show, but I feel like something about K-pop shows, every time I come from a K-pop concert, I always feel like I go in having like one bias of a lot of these groups, but then I feel like when I walk away from these shows, it just makes me unable to have a bias where I feel like I end up just biasing the whole entire group. I mean, which which it should be. It's not like, I'm not some hardcore person when it comes to biasing. I know there are some people that literally will ignore other members in groups because you like stand this one member and like the rest of the group doesn't matter <laughs> but I'm, I'm not that type of person but um after seeing Dreamcatcher I would because I would say like well when I saw them like I said when I saw them last summer that show was kind of at this point just a blur because it was just so much happening where it just 
the experience wasn't the best. But um, at this show, I my dream catcher bias was always Dami. But then after the show, like I became more of a Yu Hyun um, bias. And then even Shua kind of took over because Shua's energy at these shows, like she just so um, chaotic. Like her fan interactions are like the best. <laughs> um, because like, I think it was at the end of and there was no one left and she was just like hyping up the crowd <laughs> and it was just like the funniest thing i don't even really know how to describe it like you had to see it on video or be there <laughs> but um yeah but even like just with the talking portions of the show the group just like it's just such a funny and like lovable <laughs> group um but they're like the show as in general like they just kept so much energy consistently throughout the show because i know there's like you'll go to some shows and you can always tell when it gets like towards the end of the show or the midway through the group or whatever you could tell kind of you, you see their energy going down and they feel like tired but with Dreamcatcher like no from the minute they stepped out on that stage at like 7.05 p.m all the way until like I think the show ended around 9 40 ish or so they kept that energy for the whole entire like two and a half hours three hours it was I don't even know how long the show was. That's another thing too. Like, I feel like you kind of just lose track of time because like they just kept you so engaged and like, don't even get me started on their choreography because like, I feel like I was kind of ripped off. Like I said, when I was at the show before where it just as being so far back and like just that whole venue just threw off the experience. But, um, at this venue, you could just really see how energetic and powerful their choreographies and synchronization is like, it was everything was on point like I don't even use that word <laughs> like that but no like that's the only way to describe it that they were just like on point with everything and plus um New York another shout out is that New York we had the best outfits for our show because I've, I've well even before they came to New York didn't they do like Atlanta first and I think it was Maryland I think um they for those shows they had been wearing these like kind of uncoordinated outfits that look like they just picked them themselves <laughs> but for new york they dressed up for new york where they like we had suit catcher like <laughs> but um yeah but something i am glad about i actually am glad that i did get to see them in the summer and see them for this show because they were two very different concerts because I know before I went to this show, my my dad actually was the one who paid for me to even be at this show. And I remember he was like all upset because the last show I paid myself, but I remember he was like so upset, like saying, oh, you just saw them. Like, why do you want to see them again? Blah, blah, blah. But I mean, this was before the tour had started. But the thing is that the show is not the same show from the summer because in the summer, that show was pretty much for the purpose of promoting um that the album, um, Apocalypse, Apocalypse Save Us. This tour was more so for the anniversary because on the Apocalypse tour, they had there were actually a number of songs that were not included in this tour that were on um, the previous tour. Um, on the previous tour, like they did Mason, Mason, Mason. <laughs> um, they did Black and White. I mean, Black or White. Black or White. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a fake stan. Um, they did like they did because um, the only song that they carried over actually from like even at the other show they did Deja Vu. Um, I'm trying to remember. Can't get you out of my head. Um, I'm trying to remember, but 
for this show all those songs i just named were not even included like the point of this anniversary tour was to do like throwback stuff where most of the songs they did for this tour were songs from their um like early day like they tried to include songs from each of the eras because these were songs that they had never um not that they never performed but these are songs they haven't performed in a while because like you know it reaches um when artists reach a certain point in their career there are certain songs they kind of just take out of rotation when performing um simply for the fact probably of just like time constraints or just that they outgrew certain songs or whatever but um yeah for this show because like they literally opened up with chase me um which was their debut song if you don't know if you didn't know um they even did you and i you and i is when i became a Dreamcatcher stan actually um so i was i just really couldn't believe that i finally got to see that song in person and then dami even brought out her um magic like stick trick thing um but i it was so surreal getting to finally see that in person after like having watched every performance of that <laughs> since that era had um came out and like they even did what like that song is iconic like what is such a rare performance like they just don't perform that and even when it was the comeback era of what we really never got many stages or performances of what like it's such an underrated song but personally in my opinion that's one of their top tier songs along with like deja vu <laughs> but um yeah but this tour was actually like totally different like they did like i'm glad i saw them both times because it was genuinely two different shows like it was not the same concert basically because there are i know artists and k-pop groups and just regular western artists there like i even fell victim of it of seeing demi lovato multiple times and there would be tours where demi would be doing i would see them in like two times or more in the same year and like the shows were identical but with Dreamcatcher, no, these were two separate shows. But um, anyways, yeah, enough about my Dreamcatcher concert. And um, hopefully I'll be going to more shows <laughs> with the summer coming up. And it's like so many tours that are going to happen. So hopefully I'll be going to more. Um, and I'll be able to come back and tell you guys about some of these shows. So anyways, let's move on to the next uh, topic. <music> Okay, so the main event of this podcast in Mix is the reason why I even felt like jumping back on here to even make this episode this time. Um, because in Mix, I don't even, did I ever, I don't even know if I made an episode last year when they debuted, if I even got to talk about them. But in Mix, as we know, their debut was kind of like jarring. <laughs> I don't even, I was going to say controversial, but that's not even like appropriate really for them it's not like they did anything wrong <laughs> but jarring i think that's the proper terminology when they came onto the scene because like you know they had the whole thing of before they debuted they were like selling the albums no one had even seen any of these members first of all at that point no one knew like it really wasn't confirmed i think at that point of who was even in this group and but yet people were allowed to buy albums of a group they don't even know who they are don't know what they're gonna sound like or anything <laughs> um and when they finally did come out after all this like blind packaging and all this stuff, um, their debut was, I don't even want to say their debut was a flop because I don't think it was, didn't it actually perform pretty decently? But the thing is that it was, it wasn't even that it was below people's expectations. It kind of like people were like, just like shocked. <laughs> they were like, what is this? Um, but like, so 
After OO, they followed it up with Dice, um, which still kept that same like jarring pattern of having these random switch-ups like halfway through a song and trying to mix like five, six different genres into like one song. But personally, for me, I I never really was like against that whole thing. Like I don't know. I think I personally love messy or noisy songs. Well, if it's done right, because I feel like in mix in their case, it kind of it kind of works. Like. To me, it's listenable. I do have a few K-pop songs that are noisy that I don't really like, <laughs> but I'm not really going to get into that. But I don't know. Their songs, I was able to vibe with OO and, and Dice and Tank. Well, that's what's funny. Tank was our first introduction to them not having these crazy switch-up songs. And then even when Dice came out, we also had the B-side, which was Cool Your Rainbow which I actually have not really listened to in full, so I right now don't even know what it sounds like. But but no, I know we were getting, like I feel like they were teasing us because they would give us these crazy songs, but then the B-side would be actually something that was pretty decent, you know? So I feel like this was like all just a warm-up of this back and forth to get us to where we are today with this album, Expergo. Exprego? Expergo. How do you pronounce this? I'm not even looking it up right now, but I, I, after this, I probably will look it up because I need to know how to pronounce that and what, what it even means, really. But anyways, this is their first mini, or well, is it? I don't really know if it's their first mini album. I don't know what they're classifying this as, but it's their first more than two song album is what I'm going to call it then. Um, but so like last week, well, the week before that, we had the highlight medley acapella which is actually, like, I get it. It was a bold move for them to be a fourth-gen group and putting that out, considering all the drama right now surrounding, like, fourth-gen fourth gen groups when it comes to, like, lip-syncing and not being able to sing live and all this stuff. So I applaud JYP Entertainment and their, like, staff for whoever came up with that and said, oh, we're going to put out this acapella highlight medley to, like, prove that they can sing. Um, I know people had opinions on it, <laughs> But, um, but no, I think it was a cool thing to do because I know like Mama Moo had been doing that all along. You had like Purple Kiss does it too. I don't, tell me if there's any other groups that I'm not aware of that do that, but it's not many groups that really do these acapella highlight things because if we're being real, it's a lot of groups that really can't sing really. <laughs> but no, no shade, no shade. But, um, but yeah, so that was bold. But when I heard the highlight medley, like it was sounded good. But at the same time, I still felt very like I felt very anxious, <laughs> like in my chest, where I was like, "This sounds good, but like, are they gonna surprise us with these songs? Like, are like when it has the instrumental with it, is it gonna like sound like how it sounds with them doing this acapella stuff? Like, I was concerned. Um, but then we ended up with well a couple days later was then we end up with the highlight medley of with the instrument and again i didn't really have much of a reaction to it anyway where like i listened to it but it's like i don't take highlight medley seriously there's sometimes that i don't even listen to highlight medley because i just want to hear the album in like when it comes out so i don't end up with pre um what's the word i don't even know what word i'm looking for but i don't like to come up with like pre premature thoughts I think that's what I was trying to say <laughs> um or preconceived thoughts I mean it's the same thing but that's what I was trying to say I don't I don't really like to always the only groups that I typically will listen to highlight medleys for usually is like twice I don't really know why <laughs> but any other groups I typically don't even bother their highlight medleys if I'm being honest um 
but yeah once both of those count together i was like really like nervous like i was like wow okay what are, what are they gonna do then they dropped young dumb stupid as like the pre-release track of the music video uh don't kill me but i'm one of the people that actually vibes with young dumb stupid like it's catchy like it's fun it's catchy like that's how i look at my music i'm not someone who sits here and acts so serious like oh i i can only listen to like deep meaningful songs that are like so mature like i'm not like that like i'm just here to have fun really <laughs> so young dumb stupid like it's it's catchy it's playful it's catchy like get with it because there's so many people i know that were so pissed off about it and we're like oh my god like what is this this is trash like what is this but no i like isn't this probably the first k-pop song to have a nursery rhyme interpolation because i think over here in the west wasn't there some tiktok singer or whatever who had a song out this past summer and i don't even know her name but i was aware of it where didn't she do some nursery rhyme interpolation but in her case i think she like was swearing all over the track <laughs> but but um but no i think it works like literally the lyrics the interpret the sample like it works like i don't really see what people are mad about if i'm being honest because like if it was some weird way where it didn't make sense and was just thrown in there for the purpose of trying to put a sample in i can see the problem but here it actually works the whole imagery it just it all works like it's a cool song <laughs> but anyways now today the main event with the whole album dropping love me like this like I said, when I heard it on the highlight medley, it kind of just went- First of all, I was honestly confused anyway about what the title track was because I'm not even on Twitter anymore. I kind of just like walked away from Twitter silently. <laughs> so, because I feel like that's where you get all your information of stuff. But I was so confused when Young Them Stupid came out because first of all, that dropped on like a Sunday. And I mean, I remember JYP Entertainment did that with ITZY's debut where their debut video dropped on like a Sunday randomly before anything- Well, there was nothing else. I don't think with Dala Dala, was it? yeah it was one song but anyways i was so confused because like i was like oh is this the title track and if that would have been the title track i wouldn't have been like mad but i would have been kind of like disappointed so i'm glad that that was just the early track but love me like this it didn't even really stand out to me in either highlight medley but I'm, I'm gonna say it now i'm gonna be the early person to say this but i feel like this song um love me like this will be like their breakout song like i can see this going viral on tiktok not that tiktok is the way to measure popularity or anything but i don't know this just feels like the song that's probably now going to set them in the right direction and make people pay attention to inmix like this song has the whole package it shows off that they can all sing because i feel like on oo and dice we literally like all all of them were singing but we had lily i feel like pretty much taking up half of the time belting not that i'm like i'm not saying she's bad like she's good <laughs> but i feel like that's all who we kept having thrown in our face like we get it you can sing but this song i feel like has it distributed pretty evenly to show us that all of them can sing like sure you have to admit that some of them are weaker vocalists but still this song lets each of them get their little part to show they could sing because wait is there even i gotta go back and listen to it again but there wasn't really the rap wasn't jarring because in the other songs the rap is so in your face where it's like but this one i think the rap was it obviously must have been much smoother because i can't even think of a line right now from it but this whole song just really proves like their talent that they're good <laughs> but um and then even the choreography like 
I mean, it's nothing to like go home about, but like it's a simple choreography. But even that, it's like, it's like the whole thing is just catchy. Like I feel like this was maybe their viral breakout moment. Now I know, yeah, like in K-pop, it's not really good to have these like mega viral hits because in the end, sometimes it will make it where people like you, and then if you can't follow up with anything good, it damages the whole career, and that's the end of the group. But um, but no, I I'm calling this right now. I love me like you. I I mean, love me like this. <laughs> I can't even think of the song name. <laughs> love me like this I'm, I'm calling it now this this is gonna be their like breakout viral hit check back at me this I mean, come back at me this summer i'm telling you this song is gonna be like the hit that everybody's gonna be with and watch at the end of the year watch this song get some awards or something like i'm setting this out there right now but as far as the rest of the album just like password just did it my gosh home like <sighs> The production, like, I literally looked up the produce. That's something I always do with music. I, I'm i not someone who even really cares who wrote lyrics, because I know a lot of K-pop fans take that so seriously about who wrote the lyrics and your fave can't write and all. Like, I'm not into all that. Like, I really don't care. <laughs> but but the producers, that's who I always look for, the instrumentation of who made the um instrumentation of the song. And I saw for Love Me Like This, it was London Noise. And we know London Noise, obviously, or Eldian Noise. I don't even know how they pronounce it. <laughs> but they obviously, you know, they've made a lot of hits for EXO. A lot of SM artists, mostly. Plus, didn't they just... Yeah, London Noise. Didn't they just do um, a song with Twice? Wasn't it Set Me Free? Or am I thinking it was that the wrong producer? I don't know, but London Noise, we know they're, like, iconic, where if they're gonna produce the song, you know it's gonna be good, because, like, they have such a history with when it comes to, like, SM and just K-pop in general, really. But, um, they did the title tracks, so that's probably part of the reason why I like it, too. And the chorus, I, I love for that second half of the chorus, it has that, um, what's the synth? It's like, it's like a, um... It's a guitar synth, basically, what it is. Because I, I know I've watched a couple of reactors today, and I know everybody was that is the part that actually caught a lot of people's attention. And I know it was a lot of people that aren't really musicians themselves or producers, so they didn't really know what what the sound was. But it, I, I'm sure I think that because like I think I have that sound in my um, DAW. But it's actually like it's a guitar. Um, but it's it's a keyboard guitar where it's a synthesizer in the computer, and like it's like a rising rising synth, basically. Um, but yeah, that that's my opinions for the title track. Like, it's five out of five for me. Um, and as far as the rest of the album, um, Password just did it. Like, I am loving the production on both of those. My gosh. The vocals, like, that song is meant to, like, just show that they can sing, literally. <laughs> and then Home, that's just, like, a fun song. Like, it's fun. Um, and I, I watched the showcase stages, something I did enjoy. I loved that for the showcase, like, I don't, I feel like in the recent years, a lot of these groups will do these showcases and we literally get the title track and maybe one B-side and then that's the end of it and the rest of the showcase just a lot of talking and wasting time playing games. I love that InMix literally did every single song for the showcase, like, that's cool, like, like, because I feel like there's so many K-pop songs that get released and always get forgotten about just because it wasn't a title track so it just gets forgotten about and we never hear about it anymore, but I love that they performed all the songs now i don't on music shows i don't know where they're gonna turn around perform young dumb stupid and love you like this or will it just be um love me like this 
because I feel like that's another thing that I'm I'm noticing now with K-pops. I guess I've been in it a while now, but I hate that it seems like it's fading now where we are no longer getting like double promotions from groups anymore. It's like everybody just comes on here with the one song and then they're done. Um, so I hope in mix, hopefully they can bring that concept back of like the double song promotion. But um, yeah, I, 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 but I, anyway, just in mix, I feel like this is what happens when you give a group a song that is general public friendly. Like, I feel like, honestly, I'm wondering if the people at JYP Entertainment took notes from like New Jeans or something. Not, I'm not trying to say they copied New Jeans. That's not what I'm going to say. But I'm saying it's more so just that they maybe they saw the style of music that New Jeans was putting out and how people were vibing with that throwback R&B-ish like sound. And I feel like maybe that's what the inspiration was for Love Me Like This to make like a New Jeans throwback R&B-ish type of song that would be more friendly for the general music consumer or listener but anyway i'm wishing in mix like success with this era hoping they actually you could have they ever they didn't even get any wins or anything with oh or dice did they i am not even sure because like i'm not that deep into them like, like that but um i'm hoping for this song i'm hoping they get some some wins or something out of this um, so, yeah, I think that wraps it up for InMix, so let me jump on to the final segment on here. Um, yeah. So, actually, I'm going to end this episode on, um, the InMix comeback, basically. Originally, I did say, I think at the beginning, I don't know if I said it, but my plan was to go into, like, just 2023 releases in general, and I was gonna cover the um mamamoo plus pre-release song but i'll save all that for an episode next week probably or i might end up doing another episode this week too i'm not sure but um yeah i I guess this is the um end of this episode I, i suck at closeouts but anyways thanks for listening and i'll see you in the next episode